Well, the Miami Grand Prix ended like all the other races this season with Red Bull finishing 1-2 and Fernando Alonso finishing third for the fourth time in five races this season. So what was the feeling about this result? All right, we're going to go over the Miami Grand Prix. Why I did not find this as boring as some people did, despite the same result that we have been getting all season long. I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast, and we are going to go over this Grand Prix. We're going to have our report cards at the end. I've also got them some thoughts on the future of the Miami Grand Prix and where it could be heading in the future. If you've been listening to this podcast and you like what you're hearing, I hope you'll subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you haven't heard this podcast enough. I hope you'll give it time and keep listening as we go through the 2023 season and will finally subscribe to the podcast and leaving us a review. It does help with the algorithms. You can also reach me on Twitter at Tony D Radio. We do have a Facebook page for the Overtake F1 podcast. Check that out and uh, like that page as well. So, so much that we ask you to do in the podcast world. But number one, we hope that you listen and enjoy what we're doing here at the Overtake. All right. So this year's race in South Florida had the same result as last year, Max Verstappen winning, and it had the same result that we've seen all season long, and that Red Bull finishes 1-2. Sometimes it's Verstappen, sometimes it's Perez, but those two drivers finish 1-2. But overall, I found the Miami Grand Prix rather entertaining, All right, and I'm looking at the rest of the field because of it. I'm seeing the highs and lows of teams as we're five races into the season now, so I'm not necessarily looking at the result and the winner's circle and seeing what's there and wanting a different result in order to determine the entertainment value of this Grand Prix. Because if we do that, we're going to get a lot of boring races, quote unquote, if that's the only way you're going to define the F1 2023 season. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we all would like to see somebody else win, another team claim victory. Maybe we want George Russell to win another race or Fernando Alonso to win a race this season. But right now we're getting a dominating performance by two drivers on the same team and the conversation about the world championship championship is only centering around those two. Now, that's the way it's going to be for the rest of the season. There's Fernando Alonso, barring some real hardship on Verstappen's part, is not going to make a run at the championship. I know everybody says the same thing. It's a long season. You never know. And it's true. You never know. But just looking at the metrics that we've had so far and how dominating these two drivers are and how dominating Red Bull is compared to everybody else's pace, it's going to take a, 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 a unbelievable turn of events to make the world champion interesting outside of the Red Bull camp. So I'm done waiting to see if somebody else is going to take the top podium. I'm done. Whether it's George Russell or Fernando Alonso or any of the Ferrari drivers, I'm kind of done. Now I just want to see how good teams are race in and race out, right? Or do does do teams have bad weekends, good weekends, living up to expectations, below expectations? It's kind of what I'm looking at this season to see. And also, if there is an interesting battle between Perez and Verstappen for the championship, of course, I'm here for it. But I can't deny that what I saw at the Miami Grand Prix was just another fantastic drive by Max Verstappen. He started ninth on the grid after Charles Leclerc crashed during Q3 on Saturday, and that brought a halt to qualifying. So Verstappen, who had the ninth best finish and was on another run, that he couldn't complete that run, and so he started ninth. Now, I don't know how many of you out there thought that this was going to be a problem for Verstappen, but I bet the answer is none of you thought that this was a problem for Verstappen. But what you may have thought, which is what a lot of us had thought, was, well, what does this mean in the Grand Prix if he's teammate who has shown incredible pace with the car has held Verstappen back 
What does that mean at the Miami Grand Prix? If you're calling it a street circuit and it is a street circuit and Sergio Perez is the king of street circuits, well, then what does that mean when you have uh, your teammate behind you, ninth on the grid with traffic behind him? How much of a, of a gap can you get between him and you so that you can win this Grand Prix. That was what I went into the Miami Grand Prix on Sunday thinking. And everybody else was an afterthought. Nobody mattered on the grid other than where Verstappen was and where Perez was and what the gap was at various times during the race. Now, is that bad for the sport? Yeah, it's not great when you're looking at Fernando Alonso, a two-time champion, and Ferrari drivers and Lewis Hamilton and thinking to yourself, none of these drivers matter for the result of the Grand Prix, the end result of who wins this Grand Prix. Nobody but the two drivers in the Red Bull camp. So Verstappen starts ninth, and he's got, again, traffic, but he's got the better car. So what is his strategy going to be early in this race? So he knows his teammates in the same car and is very comfortable with it and puts up some good numbers. So he's not going to be he's not tracking down a, a Pierre Gasly or an Alex Albon here, right? He's not he's not tracking those guys. He's talking down Sergio Perez. He's won twice already this season. He's got good pace in the car. So Verstappen's sense of urgency is I do want to get behind Perez as quickly as possible, but I do not want to play in the danger zone of trying to overtake at times where a guy could get slippery and I could be knocked out of this Grand Prix. So I'm going to bide my time a little bit. And he did. Started picking cars off one by one. At one point, he actually passes both Charles Leclerc and Kevin Magnuson down the front stretch with DRS. is a great move. Leclerc and Magnuson have been battling it out, and Verstappen is kind of behind them. He's like waiting and waiting and waiting. They make the turn off the straight, and then they're just kind of waiting. And then he goes, nah, screw this. I'm, I'm done. And he just gets right between them, and off he goes into turn one. He takes down two cars with one move. Is that br brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But at the same time, he's got the faster car, and he needs these guys to move out of the way. So he's got to move them off to the side while he's picking cars off one by one because in the end, his goal is to get behind Perez as quickly as possible. Possible. Now, why? Because they were in two different tire strategies. So Perez is starting with the mediums and Verstappen decides he's going to go with the hards. He's going to make a long run at the beginning of the race, pit late. So the idea is maneuver through the field, get behind Perez as quickly as possible, and then play the kind of the timing of the pit stop strategy. When Perez comes in, you have the lead. When you pit, he has the lead. What will be the differential when you come out late? What kind of ground do you have to make up? So they're playing sort of that strategic element on Verstappen's side. Meanwhile, Perez is just trying to say stay out ahead of Verstappen as quickly as he can, as much as he can when, when Verstappen pits and seeing if he can hold off. That's the story of the Miami Grand Prix. Everything else, we'll get to everything else. Well, again, we'll have the report cards of all the teams, but if you're just talking about who is going to win this race, it's just those two drivers, and it came down to tire strategy. Now, I was really interested in Sergio Perez up front on the medium tires because, again, I thought that this could mean a very, very close battle at the end of the Grand Prix. I think at one point, Christian Horner was telling the broadcast team that he thinks it would be a three-lap battle to the finish based on their simulation. And this was a little early when he was making that projection. And of course, things change. But that's kind of what was promoted, if you will. The idea that, like, hang with us until the end, kids, because this could actually be a great three-lap shootout between the two Red Bull drivers. So that kept me vested 
in the race in terms of the result, but it also, there was also a lot of things I was curious about watching Lewis Hamilton go from 13th up the grid. How good was Fernando Alonso in third? What about the Alpine drivers? They were running in the top 10. Haas and Kevin Magnussen had a good start on the grid in fourth. Could he get a point or points at the end of the Miami Grand Prix? But Again, because the the Red Bull strategical element was in play to see if Sergio Perez could win the race, it added another question that we've kind of been asking on this podcast and, and, and also in others around the world, which is, is Sergio Perez really a world championship contender? Now, again, we're going to be asking this question until the season starts showing us that he really isn't. Maybe Verstappen's world championship gap is just too much. There was a point we did that with Charles Leclerc last year, if you remember, right? Leclerc had won in Australia. Verstappen started winning some races. And then before you knew it, he started realizing, oh, yeah, he's going to win a lot of these. And Ferrari's not responding well. They're having a lot of mistakes. They're double stacking in Monaco. He's spinning out in France. He's, you know, there's all sorts of these issues that allowed Verstappen's lead to grow so much that the sort of season said, yeah, sorry, we're not going to have a Ferrari Red Bull battle for the world championship. But I'm going to stick with what I've been saying on this. I I honestly think that in the end, Verstappen is just going to win too many races this season for an idea that Checo can be competitive for a world title. That's not a knock on Checo. It's to the greatness of Verstappen. Maybe Perez wins at Monaco. Maybe he wins in Canada, another street circuit. Man, he could win at traditional tracks like Austria or Silverstone. I mean, he can do that. But in the end, I just can't see it. I can't see a season in which Max Verstappen is going to be challenged by his teammate this year. I think we're going to have some times where we're going to think it's going to be that way. But in the end, I don't think it's going to be that way. But nevertheless, a win at the Miami Grand Prix for Checo, if he were to pull it off, would certainly... He would have the lead of the world championship. We could get the conversation brewing when we go to Imola, but that wasn't to be as Verstappen crossed the checkered flag. Now, as for other drivers, Carlos Sainz pitted his Ferrari on lap 19, trying to undercut Alonso. Went in the pits too hot. He ended up getting a five-second penalty for speeding. Perez did come in on lap 21 to get to the hard tires, and his job, again, was to get within a 20-second gap of Verstappen, who is now up front. Verstappen was continuing to show great pace with the hard tires, and the longer he went, this was really impressive, the longer he went, the better times he was putting up on those. I mean, it was impressive. Those lap times were in the purple sectors late in the Grand Prix when he was still on those hard tires. I mean, a masterclass in Miami. Fantastic drive. Checo had a little bit of trouble in one of the corners. It allowed the gap to increase. So the pit times are about 20 seconds. So Perez, who again earlier pitted on lap 21, he had a great stop. It was 2.2 seconds or 2.3 seconds. Now his job, again, is to get as close to Verstappen as possible. So when Max would come in, you get the lead of the Grand Prix, and now you're trying to extend the gap when Verstappen comes out. What will that gap be? But, and here's the more impressive, another more impressive situation for Verstappen. He goes in on lap 45. So he's going to get off the hard tires and onto the mediums. So his pit stop is actually nine-tenths slower than Checo Perez, almost a full second that he spends more in the pits than Perez did. But when he comes out, he had an 18.3 second lead when he came in. When he came out, he's practically on the back end of Sergio Perez. And that's, that's how much of a distance he was able to put out on Checo when he pitted. 
and what he was able to get when he came out on the fresher medium tires. So this was not going to be very difficult for Max to catch Checo. He did so rather quickly. He cruised from there, winning for the 38th time in his F1 career. Now, again, there were, mo- there were moments. Perez didn't give it up. I mean, he had a good fight in turn 17 off that long straight. Um, but he, he held his own downs 18 and turns 18 and 19 to the line. But in the end, Verstappen just passed him. Uh, Lewis Hamilton used a long run of the hard compound tires to get to six at the halfway point, told to make sure to move aside for George Russell, who was behind him on another race strategy. This is before Hamilton came in for his tire change. Uh, Russell passed Hamilton on lap 36, Ocon a bit later. Carlos signs a bit after that, and then Russell was running fourth. Feel bad for signs because he was able to get ahead of Alonso when he came in for the pits, and he got that five-second penalty for speeding. He wasn't going to serve that on another pit stop. So it was going to be tacked on at the end of the Grand Prix. So when Alonso made his pit stop, he, he actually got ahead of Alonso, but in the end, he he got past. Alonso passed him on lap 27. He would pass Esteban Ocon and then would run around in third place pretty much by himself. All right, so again, that's a look at the Miami Grand Prix. It was pretty basic. It came down to tire strategy for Red Bull. Some good results for some of the teams, not so good for others. And again, we've got our report card coming up in just a little bit. But I do have some thoughts that I want to get to from this weekend. First one, first one out of the gates is no safety car. This was a clean race, so we didn't have any of these uh, crashes, spinouts, etc. Saw a little bit in qualifying and was wondering because we had a rainout um, Saturday night into Sunday morning, so there was an idea that the track was had lost all of its rubber. So I was wondering how the drivers were going to get around that track, and I was surprised that we didn't have something. We had contact, but nothing that brought out a spin or a safety car or anything along those lines. One other note, and th- one other note was the failure of the Grand Prix to sell out on Sunday. Now, I don't know if it was officially a sellout. I don't know how many walk-ups they had, but I know the news Sunday morning was that tickets were still available for the Grand Prix. So this was the event to be at last year because it was the inaugural running of the Miami Grand Prix. Celebrities came. It was a fear of missing out kind of situation for F1 fans in the United States. A lot of them emptied out their savings accounts to go to Miami for the Grand Prix. Tickets to F1 races are very expensive, but... This one didn't. Now, I think there were a couple of factors here. One, a second running is not the inaugural running, and everybody wants to be at the first one. And the other thing was, it's hot and sticky down in Miami. Now, this is not, it's not summer. I mean, it's not summertime, but it's muggy. It's in the 80s. And a lot of the track is in the open. There's not a lot of shade. So I think there were people looking and saying, gee, I don't really know if I want to go to this thing for a lot of money to sit in the baking heat of a racetrack. I don't know how much of a factor this played into at least the local audience. I mean, again, if you're you, you're bringing in everybody, you're bringing in, right? So people who made the trip to Miami are making the trip to Miami. So what you're counting on late in the weekend, if you still have tickets, is that locals will buy tickets. But there were two other things that were going on this weekend. The Miami Heat were playing the New York Knicks on Saturday. They also have a game Monday. And then the Florida Panthers hockey team that play in Sunrise, they were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs Sunday uh, afternoon. So they were playing their Stanley Cup playoff match as well. So there were two other major sporting events going on within the city. I don't know how much of a factor that played for locals who either A, wanted to stay home to watch it all on TV, you know, bounce around the channels. 
Two, I don't know how much the factor that played into them maybe wanting to get Heat tickets or wanting them to get Panther tickets rather than go to the Miami Grand Prix. I have no idea. But I know that the non-sellout is kind of an important thing given the popularity of Formula One in the United States and this being one of the premier glamorous locations, even if it's run in Miami gardens and not downtown Miami, maybe on a road down by the beach or something along those lines to really showcase the South beach element and the glamorous side of Miami. Uh, but that being said, this has got to be a little concerning. I mean, I mean, you want these events obviously around the world to sell out, but a second race is not a sellout. And if you watch any of the replays of the race, you could see empty seats all throughout. Now that doesn't mean that people weren't in those seats. I mean, they could be out milling around. They could be in the souvenir section. They could be in other parts of the track. Who knows? There were enough. I mean, it was a lot to notice. So now one other note, and uh, this might go hand in hand with the non sellout and the circumstances around it was that Miami organizers who had talked about the possibility of the Miami Grand Prix being run at night, uh, putting out some lights on this track. Uh, it's a good idea. I actually thought about this last year because I remember, you know, hearing about the how hot it was and no shade. I was like, well, just run it under night. I mean, if we're going to do that in Vegas, maybe they could do that in Miami. But it does that does create some issues. Do you want this to be run on Saturday? It's not going to be a Sunday night race here in the Western Hemisphere. So is it going to be a Saturday night race like Las Vegas? What are the ramifications of that locally? Miami Gardens does have a football stadium. Again, it's around that football stadium, but there are houses and it is a it is in a neighborhood. Is that going to be a problem to run a Grand Prix race and the noise of a Grand Prix race at night? You know, in Vegas, they're doing it around the strip and they're going to be loud, but it's going to be in a place that is usually occupied at all times of the hours. Is that going to be the situation here? Well, they have Monday night football in Miami. So a one night Saturday night, I don't think is going to be too much of a concern, but it might help with people who look at the racetrack and go, you know, listen, I don't want to be in that heat and mug mugginess during the day. I don't need to be there in the in an afternoon. I'd rather go at night. I'd rather go when it's a little bit cooler. So that's an idea. I'm very curious about that because, again, I'm trying to go to as many Grand Prix here in the United States as I can. I wouldn't mind going to see a night race down in Miami. All right, that being said, let's get to the report cards of the Miami Grand Prix, and let's get started with Red Bull. So we're going to give them an A. You know, we, we could give them an A-plus every single week, but we're going to give them an A. I know it's a broken record because this is what we have with this team. It's a 1-2 finish. It's their fifth of the season because we've had five races this season. This is what they do. It's not even close. Max Verstappen won the race. Sergio Perez started on pole, finished second. Verstappen won from ninth on the grid, so it was a perfect weekend, and this is as good as you can get. Verstappen was able to go from ninth to second in 15 laps. He made those hard tires last for 45 before he pitted Then the mediums. Once he had those, just a matter of time before he blasted past Perez, got the lead of the Grand Prix. He also had fastest lap, so he picked up that point. Again, this is another typical Red Bull weekend, so they get an A. How about Ferrari? Well, I gave them a C. Uh, Charles Leclerc's spin in qualifying ended Q3. That put him seventh on the starting grid. Carlos Sainz started third. It did add an extra fun little element to this Grand Prix to see how Sergio Perez in first and Max Verstappen in ninth, how that was going to play out. So I could guess we could thank Leclerc for spinning out and making it more interesting, I guess. But their race pace Sunday for Ferrari was just not good. It just wasn't good. Signs finished fifth behind Alonso and Russell. Leclerc, he never got anything going. He bottomed down on the straights. He said 
listen, that I had to pretty much try to keep the car intact. He finished where he started. You can tell there's some frustration starting to creep in with Leclerc. He admitted that, you know, he, again, he was just trying to keep everything together. Signs got the five second penalty. He was running pretty good on the mediums, but he pushed the hards too much on the pit exit to compromise on the five second penalty he was likely going to get, hadn't got it at the time and also trying to undercut Alonzo. So he compromised those hard tires a bit. It was just an good Ray. It just wasn't a good day for Ferrari whatsoever. Aston Martin, I gave them a B. I wanted to give them a B minus because Lance Stroll finished outside the points, but I'm kind of giddy right now with Fernando Alonso getting another podium. I'm kind of liking this a lot. I'm sure this will pass with more podiums, but right now let's remain excited about team green, right? And this is all paying off right now. All right, for them, they're running great. Alonzo ran third. No one was around him for most of the race. Not close enough to the Red Bulls, but still good enough distance to not really feel George Russell behind him in fourth or Carlos Sainz when he was fourth. So he was in by himself so much that he actually radioed in telling the team he saw Lance Stroll's overtake on the TV screens around the track. The guy's flying around the circuit. It's one of the fastest tracks that we have on the F1 calendar. And he's in such a comfort zone that he can see Lance Stroll making an overtake on one of the television screens that are around the track for the fans. That's how much he was in complete control of third place for this Grand Prix. I mean, seriously, that that's crazy. Stroll started 18th on the grid, went to the hard tires to start. He got in a DRS train, finishing 12th. That's not bad to go from 18th to 12th. He had a better pace, obviously, than those backmarker teams, but... It's a B minus because of uh, Lance Stroll. Mercedes, I gave them an A minus. I give it to Lewis Hamilton. He didn't get out of Q2 and started 13th on the grid. Seemed to complain about the car early. Didn't know if the car would make it to the end. They told him it was probably wind, but he made those hard tires work for a good stretch. And then when the mediums got on his car, it allowed him to go through the field and finish sixth. Had a great pass on Charles Leclerc late to get that sixth position. George Russell finished fourth. It was a good day for him. He finished ahead of both of the Ferraris but he couldn't challenge Alonzo, so that's got to probably make him a little bit like, what do I got to do for that? Um, after he pitted, he got uh, his teammate to let him through so he could attack up in the top five. Um, but it's not the Mercedes result that we're once used to. Those days are kind of gone. And so they're living in the past when they talk about you know how good it used to be. They've got to figure out how to get this car around where Alonzo is. They've got the Ferraris pretty beat right now, but they want to compete for podiums. And they're going to have to do so against Fernando Alonso, who keeps getting them. As for Alpine, I gave them a B minus. Both drivers finished in the points, so that's good because they've had two races in which they didn't score any. Esteban Ocaran started on hard tires. He finished ninth. Pierre Gasly, he started the race on the mediums, finished eighth. Gasly finished behind where he started, but that's okay because Verstappen, Leclerc, they, they were behind him on the grid due to the incompletion of the Q3 on Saturday. So that's completely understandable. Uh, overall, though, it's a pretty good day. There have been better. There should be better, but it's a double point. So let's start from there. I gave him a B plus. 
Haas. I gave Haas a C plus. Kevin Magnuson finished 10th, got his team a point, but Nico Hulkenberg really had a difficult race. He started on the hard tires and he was trying to make that last until the late pit stop that had him 15th. Magnuson was fourth on the grid. Now, when you're fourth on the grid, you know, there are drivers that are faster than you are behind you, but you still have to get a point that you have to finish in the top 10. And he did. He fought Charles Leclerc so well in this Grand Prix. It was really impressive until Leclerc finally said, all right, I got to pass you. But nevertheless, he really took it to Charles Leclerc. And again, Leclerc had the bottoming issue. So he was, he was driving with a little bit of a problem, but give it to Kevin Magnuson. He got the point for the team. He said that was as good as it was going to get. All the better teams were ahead of him. He got the point that they needed. I would have given him a higher grade, but but Nico Hulkenberg, his race was terrible. So I got to somehow weigh the good and the awful, and Nico Hulkenberg was not good at all. AlphaTauri, I gave them a C. Nick DeVries finished 18th. He had a collision with Lando Norris, and the car was not right on the first run. He was running in the back of the pack. He got no DRS help when it was available. He was really struggling in his rookie season. I talked about this in the last podcast we did, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, or the Miami Grand Prix review in our top five, bottom five of Azerbaijan. He hasn't really popped his rookie season. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and say Logan Sargent's been awesome, and Oscar Piastri, he's had some trouble too. But Nick DeVries, I've been waiting for him to pop and he hasn't really popped. Again, it's a rookie season. I get it. So don't come after me too hard for this. I just haven't seen anything right now. It's five races in and it just seems like he's just constantly struggling when riding out there. Um, Now, as for Yuki Tsunoda, there's a flip side to this and that is Yuki Tsunoda finished just outside the points. He finished 11th. He has been very consistent this season. Yuki Tsunoda is having a good year. He is right around 10th, 11th. He's right around that part where he could get a point. He could be just outside the points. He hasn't finished at the bottom. Obviously, he hasn't finished near the, near the top, but he's right around where you want to be if you're AlphaTauri and you've got a driver that can get you a point, maybe two points on any given Grand Prix. And he has shown that. So I'm going to give it to Yuki Tsunoda this season. I talked about this earlier, too. He's having a very good season. I don't know how many of you have been paying attention to that, but start because he's doing well. Um, he's uh, He just finished behind Magnuson at, by like a second at the end of that Grand Prix. He'd made a lot of overtakes and really was happy with the car when it changed to the medium tires. McLaren gets a big fat F. I, I know Norris was hit by DeVries early. That messed him up. But the real problem for the team was the starting strategy for this Grand Prix. And it didn't work. I, I give him credit for trying, but both Norris and Piastri started the Grand Prix on the soft tires because they were trying to make up some ground. I get it, right? You're behind. You didn't qualify well. You're starting in the back. You get the soft tires. You hope maybe you get an early safety car. The conditions might have been there to get an early safety car. You might have made up a few spots on the soft tires. When everybody changes, you change, and you continue to hold your position. So I kind of understand. But it did not work out for either driver, and both drivers were just running in the back of the pack. Norris finished 17th. Piastri ran 19th. Very, very terrible, terrible day for McLaren, who was looking up a little bit. Uh, Now it's not looking up at all. So McLaren gets an F. 
As for Williams, I'm not as hard on Williams. They didn't have a good day either. I gave them a D. Now, Logan Sargent was the big story. He's the hometown American driver, grew up near Fort Lauderdale, and then he moved to Europe in his youth so he could continue his racing career. But he talked about rooting for the Dolphins and going to the stadium, and family and friends were coming, and he loves the heat and humidity of South Florida and all of those things that he said before the race. But one thing he did say, I'm not familiar with this track. I'm trying to learn it as I go this weekend for the Grand Prix. He had to pit really, really early. He was running last. He finished last, had some early damage on the wing. They had to change it. First lap pit stop. That's not good. I ended up getting lapped in the Grand Prix. He, again, never raced on the track before, so whatever. But Alex Albon finished 14th. He had a car that just did not have good pace. That's all he really said about it afterwards. They just didn't have good pace at Williams this weekend. Alfa Romeo, they get the C- minus because Valtteri Bottas finished finished 13th. He had a good start, but he still finished outside the points. Joe Guan Yu finished 16th. Despite no points, Botas did feel there were some positives to take from the weekend. Okay. Uh, he was trying to fight for the top 10. He didn't get it still. I can't imagine that this is a race that they were excited about. They may have found some positive things. They may have liked certain things, but I honestly, I honestly think it's lipstick on a pig, right? It's finding optimism where you can find optimism. I gave them a C minus. I just thought they were relatively irrelevant um, in the race. Botas again, 12th and Joe Guan Yu finishing 16th. All right, so that's going to do it for our review of the Miami Grand Prix. We will be back to preview the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix from Imola. We do have a weekend off, so enjoy that. I know we just had four weeks, and then Formula One comes back for two, and then off again. But there is a triple header coming, so when they hit Europe, so there's going to be three races back to back to back. If you haven't already done so, please, please consider leaving us a five-star review and subscribing to this podcast. We have been growing in the three years that we've done it. We really do appreciate you, those who have. If you haven't, please consider doing it. It really does help us out. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.